Sandra Dawes here from Embrace Your Destiny, and you're listening to the Embrace Your Destiny podcast, where we share stories from women who have gone through trials and tribulations, but made it through to the other side, stronger for it in mind, body, and or soul. And today we're speaking with Heather Cameron, and Heather is a certified executive and business coach and expert facilitator. And Heather's been employed for 14 years and has over 20 years of global corporate management experience, including sales, marketing, and research development. So welcome, Heather. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Heather, what's the story, what's the journey that you want to share with listeners today? Um, I think the journey that I wanted to share really is my, my movement from going from the corporate world to the entrepreneurial world, because it is a it is a journey, not only once you make that step into the entrepreneurial world, but in the entrepreneurial world, there are many journeys that you go through. Yeah, because it's a whole different beast, isn't it? It's a whole different beast. It is a whole different beast, and it's a whole different, um, there's some rewards that you get in it that you'll never get in the corporate world, and then there's some challenges that you get that you will never get in the corporate right. world. No, I started, I was, I'm an engineer, which is an unusual kind of part of that, um, so I spent a lot of time in a very male-dominated environment working through the, initially even getting my degree and going through that and working through um, an environment where I was one woman in 50 people or one woman right. or two women. I remember being in classes once and I was the only woman in the class and just kind of looking up and going, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, a and many people knew you, right? You walked down the halls and everybody's saying hello and you don't have an idea of who anyone is. Right. Because of that. Because you're easily identifiable. <laughs> you're easily identifiable and remembered and you're like, okay. And um, so working through that. And then when I got my first job in the corporate world, I, I moved up into that corporate element as being a woman in a very male dominated environment. And in one case in particular, I remember when I got promoted to a manager, someone saying to me, welcome to the boys club. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> what do I do with that? So in my career, I was very lucky. I had many, many opportunities. And the last corporate job I had was in um, Australia. And I was there as an expat. I was working in Australia and I moved down when everything was booming in high tech. And then all of a sudden it dropped out and the bubble bursts. And I'm sitting literally on the other side of the world wondering okay, what's next? Am right. I staying here? Am I going? Am I moving? What am I going to be doing on a, literally on a daily basis? I would get up and think, am I staying? Am I going? I remember one weekend where they were, we're going to keep you. No, we can't keep you. We're going to keep you. We oh, the uncertainty. Went like this for five days. Yeah. So a huge amount of uncertainty. It's the only time in my life I've ever felt not in control of my own destiny mm. in any way at all, because I couldn't just quit. I needed somebody to physically fly me home and fly my belongings right. home. Um, and I couldn't stay. I couldn't choose to stay. I had no, I mean, I was attached to the company from a, um, a visa point of view and that kind of thing. So I literally was the only time I've ever fully felt out of control of my own decisions because it was like, what am I going to do? Right. <laughs> so when they finally sent me home, um, I ended up with an expat agreement. So I had a couple of months I had to work through and then I was laid off and it's kind of, what am I going to do with myself? What's next in my life? And like many good companies, when you're laid off, there was a, everyone was laid off eventually, but um, there was a placement process. So I was going through that process of trying to figure out what I want to do. And um, some of my relatives got in a very serious accident and they were actually hit by a train. And I just happened to be in the right place at the right time and was able to help. Um, they were 16 and 18. 
was able to help their mother and, and kind of be her directional here. We're going to this hospital. We're going to that hospital. And out of that came the fact that you honestly, you could be hit by a train tomorrow. Something could happen to you tomorrow and you're going to completely changes your life. Absolutely. You're going to think about what am I going to do next? And so I thought, and I sat back and I said, well, I don't want to go back into that engineering corporate world. I was often somebody, the round peg in the square hole or the square peg in the round hole. (laughs) It wasn't real. I mean, I had the skill set, but it wasn't what wasn't my passion. It wasn't what made me want to change the world or do something. Right. It wasn't fulfilling you. It wasn't. I mean, day to day, yes, it was a crazy career. And if you've ever been, or any of your listeners have ever had the opportunity to be um, a tr- a road junkie, literally like a road warrior from yeah. this, there's a reason that I can't remember the terminology they called it. There isn't. There's a terminology out there for people who travel a lot during work. Um, it's very addictive, right? Getting on a plane, running for a plane, going to a new apartment. There's an addiction to that environment yes. that has its own set of. I'm not sure rewards is the right will, but pull. It has its own set of pull, right? Because it's exciting. It's exciting to go and live in another country. But it wasn't where I thought I did the best with my skills. So I sat and I looked and I really thought about what I wanted to do next. And as much as I told myself I'd never go back to school, I went back to school. And I got a degree in adult education and started a year and a half later. um, I started to run my own company based on doing leadership development and assessments and team building. And that was, I remember getting my very first paycheck or not even paycheck, my very first check. Right. I did this on my own. Right. Right. I have to say, I still get a thrill when I get paid and I did this on my own. It's so gratifying, isn't it? It's so gratifying. If I could have afforded, I would have framed it, but no, I cashed it. But it is, there's a sense of gratification that you don't get from a paycheck. There's a sense of, I caused this, I did the work for this, I went out and got it, and here this is mine. And it's still a thrill that I get um, when I get new clients or when I sign someone up or I do something new. It's a thrill to to have that and to be able to kind of breathe in the moment to say, yes, this is something I did. There's a huge satisfaction to that. Yeah, because it's... It's your hard work that's literally paid off, right? So and they liked me. You know, yeah. it's probably a little bit of an and they liked me. And they, right. you know, they did yeah. this. And that was, they yeah. chose to work with me. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's, and it was, um, and it wasn't a small contract. It was actually a contract with a, um, across Canada. I think they're actually in the U.S. company that does waste management. So it was a quite a large contract. It's like, okay, I walked in with no experience and got that. And I think we're all capable of that and having that sense of excitement was there. And that was in 2004. Right. And I think that when those things happen, it really starts turning the wheels to ask, to make you question what else is possible, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's what else is possible. And it's the sense that I think, um, I was just actually reading something online before I came on here about how we almost are schooled to not take chances, yes. right? I think our education system kind of pulls that into us and we're not encouraged to take chances and we're not encouraged to necessarily go out on our own and try these things, right? And yeah. really stand on our own two feet and stand outside of the rules. Yeah, to, to not follow the status quo. The stat, Yeah, exactly. And to, to kind of try something that is different and if you fail... That's a big lesson I've learned in, in, in 
the 14 years I've been in business because I've had ups and downs in business. I've had those moments where um, my business was going really, really well. And all of a sudden, all of my clients disappeared at the same time within like a six month period, less than six months. And all of a sudden I'm back to almost restarting my business. Right. And it's like, okay, breathe in and let's do this again. And I went through a difficult period of that after that, because it was a lot more questioning of, is this something I want to do? Is this right? Should, do is I need this, to go back and get a job, or can I really make and this yes. work? <laughs> I've definitely had my other people say that to me. Too, yes, you know? of course. Why don't you get a job? I, I have a job, right? So yeah, so going through that and then the um, just that personal part of, of particularly, I had one client who at the time her business failed, and instead of owning up to her business failure, she pushed that onto me. Uh, Right. I'm a business coach, even though I was unaware of some of the things that were going on, because that wasn't where I was coaching her. Um, she pushed it onto me, which then kind of made you think, am I in the right place? Right. Because it so makes you question was, yourself. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So it was questioning myself. It was questioning, um, do I want to deal with that outcome? And, you know, and it was a little bit of actually not listening to my own voice because I probably should have terminated things with her sooner. But my desire to help her was outweighed my desire to do really a sound business decision. In all right. Honesty. Yeah. And I, it was like, yeah. I think that's one of been one of my biggest lessons is to not ignore my intuition because every time I do it, it, <laughs> it messes me up in, in massive ways. And I'm like, oh, if I had just listened to that little voice that said, don't do it or, you know, whatever the voice is telling you, that I would have been so much better off. But absolutely. And to, to I had that happen to me uh, in la end of last year where I took on a client who I thought I knew I could help them, but I also knew I wrote my client. But I took them on anyways because the new I could help them. The, the yeah. mind outweighed the gut. Yes. And in, it was not a good, it didn't last as a client. It wasn't good. It just wasn't a good outcome. And I could have predicted that before I even went into it. So like you said, I have to listen to both the head and the gut. But when my gut tells me it's not the right client or it's not the right fit, I have to learn to step away from that one and say, yes, okay, move yeah. on to the next one. And be okay with that, right? Because I think that as entrepreneurs, sometimes it's just so challenging to say that, you know what, I, I would love to work with you, but you're not the right fit for me, you know, because you want to help and you want to do, you want to be of service, but yeah, you have to find the right people to work with. And to stand up to it, because in this particular case, I tried to actually refer her to other people. Right. <laughs> And she's like, no, I want to work with you. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but it was, it was really, I tried to say, no, I don't think you're ready for this right now. So it's to really stand that and just say, no, that you can't do that. But it's hard because you, yeah. you, you are driven by your desire to help. And that's a big thing for me. I'm yes. a big helper. Yep. Um, and you're, you're also driven by that scarcity thing that can come into your mind when you're in business. Absolutely. You know, so you've got a client who's there who's willing to pay and there's a scarcity thing. But the cost of that, every time I've ever signed on a client under that umbrella where where I know they're probably not the right client, it's always cost me more. Right. Either emotionally or financially or stress. In some way, shape, or form. Some yes. way, shape, or form. It's always cost me more than the client was worth. But it's it's a difficult one to 
to, to be wise enough, I guess, to really actually act on it in the moment. Yeah. And to have faith that, that the right person will come, that the money will come, that, you know what I mean? Like you're not going to, because you say no to that, it's not that you're going to end up being homeless next week, that it's all going to be okay. (laughs) And I think that that's, that's definitely the struggle when you're an entrepreneur or even when you're job hunting. Cause I know that when I graduated from university, both times with my undergrad and my master's degree, I was so, um, you know, you had student loans you had to pay back and all that kind of stuff. So you didn't feel like you could say no when you knew that it wasn't the right job. When it was like, well, I, I don't have any intentions of staying here longer than a year if I even last that long, right? But let's say yes to the job because it was offered to me and I don't know if I'll get another offer. And so you say yes, knowing full well that that's not the right job for you. And you get three months into it and you're wondering what you got yourself into and why you did it. Yeah. And so it's just one of those things where we have to just, I think faith is a big part of that, right? Is to know that it will work out the way it's meant to and to not feel like you have to to force it to happen. Faith and scarcity. I think I I really do think, especially in those situations where we have a sense of scarcity. Yes. There's only so many jobs out there and... I have to take a job because I want to move on to the next stage of my life. Yeah. And And you want to pay your bills and you want to like, yeah, create a certain lifestyle. So you're, yeah. I was actually very fortunate. My parents were quite in that stage of my life. My parents were quite supportive. Um, And I remember when I graduated university, I was on crutches, which kind of, I had blown out my knee down. And I didn't have a lot of confidence in that, in my ability to jump into the workforce. And so my parents were very um, open to just kind of let me heal right? and to stay with them and let me heal. And I had turned down one job offer because it was out West and I, you know, the concept of going out to, I think it was in Alberta and to, to something that had a labor, uh, sorry, a physical issue to the job, a physical component. Yes. Um, and I'm sitting on crutches with a cast up to my leg and probably going to be in that state for, I think it was close to a year on crutches. Oh, wow. So I turned the job down and then I kind of sat and, and percolated a lot and finally got the job a year later that I was in for five or six years. So, but it was that I was lucky. I was fortunate not to have that push and to have an environment that allows me to kind of embrace myself and get over my insecurity. Right. And yeah, wait for the right job as opposed to just taking the first thing offered to you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it, I mean, you do have that sense though. Am I ever going to, even when I was laid off that sense of, am I going to find another being? Am I going to find another way to contribute? Am I going to find something that fits me? That was a hard, a hard one for me. Yeah. And from, it, it's still in some respects, I'm a, I'm a, and I think there's lots of women who are like this. I'm a, I'm a generalist. Like I'm not the, especially when my engineering world, I don't fit into peg X, Y, and Z. Right. So when I look for a job or even as I create my own business and grow my own business, I don't kind of fit into the mold. And so that's a great differentiator. But when you're out looking and you're listening to people, you can also feel like I don't belong. I don't fit in. How do I, you know, if I wanted to go get an employed job, where do I be? Like, how do I fit? And I think I meet more and more women who are generalists, more and more people who are generalists. And they have a whole bunch of really good skills. And they're not necessarily an expert down on something. But those people like that are the people we really need in the world. Yes. And, uh, Cause they're I don't, flexible. I, they're right? flexible, but they also bring in a great sense of, 
continuity and a great sense of what's possible because they look at things from multiple angles. Yes. But it's hard to sometimes, because we're so driven, you know, through, through our universities and through everything else to be a specialist. Yes. That when you're a generalist, it's hard to feel like you fit in. Right. Or that you're adding the same value as the specialists are. Exactly. And that's, but I think generalists are what makes, because I come from a high tech background, high tech background, sorry. And uh, high tech companies could use a lot more generalists and a right. lot less specialists. Yes. Yeah. Right. Because it's, it's that they, they're so focused on what they do that they lose what it means to be part of something. So if any of your listeners are generalists and they have multiple skills, it's a wonderful thing to embrace and not feel like you don't fit into the more specificness that we have. If that made sense. Yes. So Heather, what would you say is your biggest lesson from your experience? I would say, um, my biggest lesson is that there's a lot of opportunity in this world, that there's a lot of, um, places for you to be who you want to be and follow your passion and, and your destiny. And it's not prescribed and right. you don't, uh, you don't have to be what you were when you got out of university, for example, or when you first went out on your own. I mean, I went through an engineering career and I am now a business coach. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's a completely different kind of realm of, of the skills that I use, but they're still transferable you know, things that I learned in one transfer to the other one, but you don't have to be one thing, right? I, I often hear people, you know, I got to decide on my career. I have to go and do this, but you can change. Yeah. There's nothing stopping you from changing. If you don't like what you're doing, you don't have to continue to do it. Yes. And I think that um, a lot of times these days now, because, you know, you go into one thing and you might've done it for 10 years and then you decide that this isn't the right fit and you do something completely different and people are looking at you funny because they're like, well, what, what the hell is going on? Like why? And so you look, so a lot of people perceive you as being unstable because you're, oh, you're all over the place. One day you're doing this stuff and now you want to do this stuff. And it looks like you're a bit confused, but I think that that that's become the nature of employment or whatever, you know, careers, whatever, whether you're self-employed or whether you're in a job is that I think that we're more fluid with that, right? That we don't want to do the same thing for 20, 30, 40 years that we want to, that we do get encouraged to try different things and to, and to dip our toes in pools that we never thought we would, right? Because Absolutely. I never imagined myself as an entrepreneur, yet here I am. And um, yeah, it's just being open-minded and keeping your options open at all times, I think. Absolutely. And to follow, <clears throat> excuse me, and to follow what, you know, the more you learn, the more you learn about yourself. Yes. And the more you learn, the more you learn about your own skills and what really gets your juices flowing and gets you up in the morning. Right. And I mean, my aha, if you can, you can be hit by a train, something can happen in your life. So why spend, you know, your time working in a job that isn't going to get you going? Right? Yeah. That makes um, you count down to the weekend. That makes you count down to, I live in a government town, right? I live in a place that's full of lots of people counting down for the weekend who have right. government jobs and they're in them. And I see so many of them. I remember once going to a, it was a, a conference at the university here and it was for women graduates of the university. It was about retirement and about what you're going to do in the next stage of your life. 
And this woman asked the room full of people, how many of people knew when they were going to retire? And I would say 50% of them put up their hands and knew it to the day. Some of them oh, knew wow. it to the hour, literally. <laughs> and then two of us put up, she goes, how many of you are never going to retire? And two of us put up our hands like this. And it's like, we don't need to retire. We, we can reinvent ourselves. Yes. You know, I was fortunate. My father only stopped working at the age of 84 when his body no longer could work. Right. Not because and he didn't want to work anymore. Oh, he would have still been working if he yes. could, but he re he was an entrepreneur by heart his whole life, but he reinvented himself and had four different careers, at least four different occupations and careers. He owned a gas station. He was a plumbing contractor. And then when he retired at 62, he bought a maple syrup farm. Right. <laughs> did maple syrup for me, but that sense of reinventing ourselves and not thinking that we're done at a certain age. Yes. Right. Of, of being able to reinvent yourself, but don't wait to reinvent yourself, I guess would be part of my advice is that, you know, if you wait too long, it becomes, you either start to resent what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Because you don't love what you're doing. And when you finally step into that reinvention, yes, there's going to be stresses. Yes. There's going to be, there's no job out there or, or being that isn't going to have stress to it. It's yes. part of what we do in life. But the sooner you read, the sooner you step into what you know you want to do or you start exploring it, the more likely you are to just find it and start to really, um, there's a different sense of accomplishment and there's a different sense of joy when you're doing something you really, really want to do. Yes. I would and agree that with is that. your destiny yes. versus doing something that you're good at. And it's not that you don't enjoy it because it's not that I didn't enjoy my high tech career. It's right. not that I, and I was very good at it. It just didn't um, light your fire. It didn't light my fire. That's exactly, I mean, a lot, it lit my fire in many moments, but I can take those moments and move them over here. I mean, I loved being, um, one of my last roles in my high tech job was to um, go into customers and present new products to them in their language. So that, you know, that their expertise wasn't the high tech in depth expertise, right. their languages, I need to do something for my customer. So it was very customer focused. And that was one of the problems in high tech is they're thrilled by their technology, but they don't always think about what the customer means to right. the customer, right? Yes. It's like, so going in and being the person who bridged that, who was the presenter who bridged the information from the technical level to the implementation customer level. And I can, I still do that in what I do now, right? Because... I still take what people want to do with their businesses and help them think about how to present that to their customers and how to bring people in. So I still do the same thing in a completely different way. So, so many things are transferable from whatever you do now to whatever you do. It's just how it works and how it works with your, your own personal destiny or your own personal energy. Yeah. I'd agree with that. And so if you, if there's somebody out there listening, who's going through something similar where they might have just been laid off or um, let go in some way, shape or form, what advice would you give them? I would give them the advice to not jump into exactly the same thing. Hmm. If they don't, I mean, if they love what they do, that's, that's great. But I would give them the advice to step back and really look at like look outside of, of what you've done, but remember you have a huge amount of skills, right? Right. You have this, the skills we get from being productive working people are so transferable. This, I mean, they use the term, a lot of people use the term soft skills, but yes. to me it's even more than soft skills. It's about 
being a working person. It's about being contributed. There's a whole bunch of skills and all of that stuff, even beyond soft skills. Um, because nowadays computer skills are transformable, right? There's so right. much of what we do on a normal basis that can move from career to career that just because you've been working in an insurance company doesn't mean you have to work in an insurance company. Right. And so keep just your be- options open, really. And right. really look, look at it and say, hey, what, what do I love to do? I guess that would be part of it too, which is what do I, and that's how I changed and why I went back to school. Because the question I asked myself when I was sitting there after going through these placement programs and my cousins had been hit by a train was, was what am I best at and what do I love to do the most? And the answer that came up with was really nurturing the people who worked for me and bringing them to be who they wanted to be, which is why I ended up going back for adult education and then executive coaching. Those are the two degrees that I got after that moment, but it was, that's what I love to do. That's where I got my thrill. I didn't get my thrill out of, um, the technology, which most of my peers did. I got my thrill at watching the people step into their own and really develop and become great contributors. Right. So that became very transferable. So look at what you love to do. Look at in the job that you do, what really makes you excited and where your skill sets are there. Cause if you can match what you love to do with where your skills are yes, and then find the job that works, that's that sweet spot we would all love to be in. I, w- I would agree with that. Well, Heather, thank you so much for sharing your journey, for sharing the lessons learned and for giving advice to anyone else going through similar struggles. I think that it's um, definitely useful information. I think that we all go through that at some point in our lives. And I think that it's, you know, comforting to know that, you know, it's not just because you, you know, are ending one phase of your career that all is not lost, that you can take those soft skills and transfer them to something else. And it can become a more fulfilling existence. You know, the next phase, it doesn't have to be something really negative, it can be something really exciting. It's all it's your choice to choose what where you want to go with it, right. And yeah, you might mourn the loss of this, that past life, you know, and, and the stability it afforded you, but it can be the beginning of something new and exciting and amazing as well. Absolutely. Even if it's like, even from a retirement perspective, there's that sense of you're finishing one thing doesn't mean you're finishing. That's right. right? So it doesn't mean you're ending. So that ability to take one and move on to the other is great. And so for those listening, if you um, go to the show notes, you'll find where you can um, connect with Heather and learn more about her and find her on social media and all that other good stuff. Heather, do you want to share your website for people? Yeah, I'd love to. My website is is www.igniteyourmarket.com. And I do have a um, free takeaway that you can download. It's called... Um, take control of your day and unleash your productivity. So it applies to whatever you work at. It's really about looking and blocking your time off so that you can be more productive during your day. And so that's available for anybody and it's at www.ignitemarket.com slash take control. Okay, and that will be in the, in the show notes as well for those of you who are listening and on the road or something and can't do that right (laughs) now. Yeah. Um, So again, Heather, thank you so much for, for joining me today. I appreciate it and we'll see you next week guys. Thanks.